I'm Richard. I'm Gary, and these are our incredible stories. And welcome back to all of our listeners around the world and across the United States. We're happy to have you back with us again for more incredible stories. Uh, if you like what you hear and this is your first time, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button and join us every Friday for new episodes. We look forward to having you with us. Um, we did an incredible fact last time about turkeys, which uh, I, I still can't get over. I thought that was very fascinating. And it looks like we have some more incredible facts that we are going to be sharing today. That's correct. And uh, actually, uh, what we did uh, during our April Paranormal Month, Gary, uh, was uh, right at uh, Easter, our yeah. Easter uh, weekend uh, broadcast. Mm -hmm. We took it out of the uh, realm of the paranormal and we talked about the uh, country's national bird yes. possibly being a turkey because at Easter time, uh, a lot of folks uh, celebrate uh, with ham as yes, their, they, their main entree for dinner. But uh, we've always enjoyed turkey. Yes. So uh, at Easter, we, uh, we had this uh, unusual little story about Benjamin Franklin uh, wanting the turkey to be our national bird. Now, now this month we're into weird history. This is Weird History Month. Mm -hmm. And like you say, uh, it lends itself uh, to a series of weird facts or unusual facts. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they may not be incredible stories, but I think, uh, like with the uh, turkey one, we just got a fit of laughter going. Yeah. And, and so uh, these weird facts, I think, People might raise their eyebrows. They might find them interesting. Uh, it may motivate them to search deeper into some of the people we might be talking about. Yeah. Or so who knows, uh, you know, uh, where um, we'll plant these seeds and we'll see how they grow. Right. Again, incredible facts. Yeah. So we're going to talk about two of uh, the uh, American founders of our nation, uh, George Washington, our first president of the United States, and uh, Thomas Jefferson, who pretty much wrote the entire Declaration of Independence with some help from others, yes, uh, and became the third president of the United States. So uh, we'll talk about these two founders, <clears throat> and we're not going to bore people with, um, you know, uh, just uh, mundane facts about their presidencies or this or that or the other, we're going to find something that <clears throat> some of the uh, uh, history books have left, all of the history books have probably left out, and some incredible things that you have to really look for in order to find them. Oh. So let's talk about George Washington first. And did you know that he almost joined the British Navy? Hold on. So <laughs> what you're saying is, is that George Washington could have been a redcoat coming over yeah, rather than the commander-in-chief of the Continental Army and then later on the first president of the United States. This That's is, incredible. This is a fella who aspired to join the British Navy. Here's how that unfolded. Uh, he was only 14 years old, and he was a, a British subject in uh, colonial Virginia here in the colonies, Okay, in uh, the American colonies. But he was uh, very proud of the fact that the colonies belonged to Britain, and that he was a British subject living here really? in, in the New World. Um, 
his family had been loyal English sub, uh, subjects for more than 600 years, Gary. So think of that. Whoa. He lived in the 1700s. Uh, that means George Washington could trace his ancestors back to around 1100 in England as uh, loyal English subjects. So, A.D. or B.C.? Uh, that Yeah, A.D. <laughs> so uh, anyways, during the summer when he was 14 years old, uh, a British man of warship anchored in the uh, Potomac um, near his plantation in Virginia, the plantation he was living on because he was 14. He didn't own the plantation at that time. And the, the sight of this giant war vessel flying that Union Jack flag, it just stirred his adventurous heart. Mm. It really spoke to him. So he decided then and there, 14 years old, he was going to join up in the British Navy and fight for England. Oh. And he was all ready to go. He packed up a sea chest. Really? Yeah. And then he actually boarded this man of war with his sea chest. The ship was ready to sail in the early morning, and George Washington was there on the ship. He could hardly wait to take off and become an official member of the British Navy. Wow. Uh-oh, what happened? Pause. Push the pause button. George Washington's mother <laughs> didn't totally agree with Georgie's plans. Okay. And uh, to call her distraught when she discovered him missing. Uh, putting it mildly. Was putting it mildly. And she, it turns out, was a very aggressive woman. Oh, was she? <laughs> so she wasted no time. And according to the people who have written the story, hastened aboard the ship oh i could so, see an angry mother yeah storming on there angry uh -huh. mother very aggressive storming mm -hmm. onto this british man of war probably you know cowing some of the british sailors uh, oh i bet she scared the uh, living daylights and out of him. she collared george now i don't know if she actually grabbed him by the collar or not but i could see that in my mind oh i can you know what listen we're talking about a day and time where I could see any mother, even now, mm -hmm. uh, grabbing their child by the, the ring of their collar on, on their shirt and yanking them off of uh, oh, yeah. a boat or by their ear yeah. and uh, completely and utterly embarrassing said person oh, in front yes. of all of those men. Oh, yes. And at 14 years old, she wasn't about to let her son go sailing off on a British man of war. So oh, my gosh. She must have been she so She ordered him to secure his sea chest. And get back home. She probably gave him a very short amount of time in which he was to arrive back home where he belonged. <laughs> I'm sure we have all had that experience where we thought we were grown up enough to do something yeah, and then our yeah. parents put us in our place. George did as he was told. <laughs> <laughs> this is the future commander of the Continental Army and the future pres first president of the United States. He did as he was told. Being, being shamed by his mother yes. and told what to do. Now, this is a little trifle, but it changed the history of the world because if George Washington had sailed away on mm -hmm. that ship, if his mother had been, hadn't had uh, gotten wind of this in time and off he went, he could have been, listen to this, he could have been a British admiral during the revolution blockading shipping from the American revolutionists. Yeah, so you know what? You know who the real hero is in this whole story? The mother. The mother. George yeah. Washington's mother. If she hadn't stepped in as the mother she was, mm -hmm. then you know what? I hate to say it, but 
we may be under British rule right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. Maybe not. <laughs> Who knows? It might have worked all, out well. All, Who knows what would have happened, all you know? Thing, all things considered. All things considered. Of such small incidents, history is made. <clears throat> so there's a little tidbit about George Washington, our first president uh-huh. and the commander-in-chief of the Revolutionary Army. Now, wow. let's talk about someone else who was working as a founding father along with George Washington during the times of the Revolution. His name was Thomas Jefferson, and he was quite a man. In fact, he's probably, Gary, he's probably my favorite person in history connected with the Revolutionary War, the Revolutionary mm-hmm. period. Yes. Thomas Jefferson is, is my favorite. I visited his home, um, Monticello mm-hmm. in uh, western Virginia. Yeah. Monticello... Um, if you recall, that's pictured on the back of our American nickel coin. Yeah. So you can see uh, Monticello carved on the back of our uh, American nickels. Yeah. So <clears throat> he was born rich yeah. into a rich family, but the guy died broke mm-hmm. after writing the Declaration of Independence, yeah. after serving as president. You know, they didn't have Social Security back then. Of course not. And so when he got out of the White House, went back home to Monticello, he didn't really have much of an income. And a lot of people would come and visit, and he'd have to, you know, feed them and Mm -hmm. uh, socialize with them and what have you. And so his bills mounted and mounted and mounted to where, uh, you know, he couldn't pay them, and and he actually uh, died broke. Um, And he owned slaves... Yes. But he did uh, do his part to try to abolish slavery, but he lived in a time and uh, a place where mm-hmm. um, that just wasn't feasible. Yeah, well, you know, there's a whole generation, uh, and, and this was on the news, not to interrupt the story, uh, but there's two generations of family uh, connected to Thomas Jefferson. He, there is um, his direct descendants who are uh, white and who are African-American, and they now share um, the heritage of Monticello together. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, was a, there was a whole thing on the news uh, fairly recently about that and how, um, you know, they, the whole groups of family, because he had children with uh, some of his slaves, that yeah. now they, they share the property as, you know, owners. Yeah, with one of his uh, house servant slaves uh, after his wife had passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a story that didn't come out till oh, what, maybe 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, this, it was the, fairly, I, when you think yeah. about it, it was fairly recently mm-hmm. that this all, and, and right. that whole group of his family um, had, I guess, at that point, too, been neglected from uh, being able to share in Mm-hmm. Uh, living at Monticello or having any connection. And it was because of the story coming out and some recognition and a little bit of um, going back on the family tree that they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. Mm-hmm. So we got to figure out how to change that. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the other uh, day that uh, there were there were more men here than there were women. So um, yeah, uh, it's not like... Uh, well, uh, you know, it's not like you had uh, huge choices uh, sometimes. Yeah. Now, during his lifetime, Gary, uh, he wrote more than 25,000 letters in his own handwriting. Oh, wow. That's quite an accomplishment. That it is. Uh, this is a time when they made paper by hand, mm-hmm. sheet by sheet by hand. I know. 
And uh, you can go to Colonial Williamsburg today and they show you how you make paper and it's kind of on a washboard contraption that mm-hmm. looks like mush and then they dry it out and it's yeah. a sheet of paper. But yeah, that wood pulp. It's a long convoluted process. And mm-hmm. so to write 25,000 letters, oh boy. And he sure gave Ben Franklin's uh, Postal Service a run for the money. Uh, <laughs> and he did. <laughs> now, also, though, Gary, you'd like this because at, uh, when you were younger, you played the violin. He was a violinist, and he oh. was uh, what they referred to as a professional caliber. So he wasn't just a really? amateur on the violin. He played a beautiful violin. He was concert level. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. And talk about communicating. He could speak Latin. Greek, German, French, Italian, Spanish, and English. So what this is telling me is that uh, Jefferson's IQ was probably off the chart. Through the roof. I mean, when you talk about somebody who masters the violin, I mean, any instrument Mm -hmm. requires uh, a great deal of dexterity and, um, you know, next level thinking when you're you're playing. But also... um, to learn multiple languages. Most people only master two. Two. Uh, but to ma- how many languages did One, you name two, up? Two, three, four, five, six, seven. To master seven languages. Yeah. That is impressive. Yeah. And to keep that organized yeah. in your brain is uh, remarkable. Yeah, he had a beautiful personal library. It was extensive, and some of the books were in Latin, some were in Greek. And I imagine, I I can't say for sure, I know there were some in Latin and Greek as well as English, but I imagine there must have been books in his library in these other languages that he spoke to. Of course, of course there were. So he probably got some from Germany, some from France, and so forth. Um, So yes, he had to have been a genius, an incredible, uh, credibly talented genius. and he was highly creative too. Uh, so he was a lawyer. Yeah. He was a writer. Mm-hmm. He was a farmer. He was an inventor. He invented something. I saw this in his house in Monticello, and it was some kind of contraption where your hand holds the pen to sign a document. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And, and it would do a duplicate. Uh, yeah. And then uh, there's a wire attached to, mm-hmm. to another pen that can go on a document. And what it does is. You know, it re- it writes a duplicate copy of whatever you're writing. The original Xerox. Yeah, yeah. So he invented that. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it close up. Uh, he was uh, a governor of Virginia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was, of course, a politician. He was a statesman. He was a revolutionary. He was an architect. He designed the University of uh, Virginia. Really? Yeah. And... Uh, and I, I think he did his own home, too, Monticello. I'm not sure of that. We'd have to check. And like I say, he was a musician. Now, one of his inventions was a, a, a special kind of plow. Okay. And guess what? He invented the swivel chair. Oh, which I'm enjoying <laughs> right now as I swivel. <laughs> yeah. And also, you've had one of these in, in your uh, house, a folding chair. Really? He invented yeah. the folding he chair? He invented the folding chair. He invented the swivel chair. And dun da 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 mind-blower time. He was one of the first men in the world to devise a central heating system for a building in the wow. 1700s. Wow. Central 
heating system. Um, he also invented the dumb waiter. You know what that is? Yeah, that's the small elevator that uh, carries um, either food or linens to uh, other levels of uh, a house. Mm-hmm. I saw that. I saw that in his house too. I saw the dumb waiter that he had there. And yeah, it, it was a. T- I think it was operated with yeah. ropes and pulleys. Yeah, early ones. Like it was a pulley. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, during his political life, he was a Republican, but he's considered the founder of the Democratic Party. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> and he wrote, uh, of course, one of the most important documents in the entire history of the world, and that was the Declaration of Independence. So, yes, uh, Thomas Jefferson, our third president of the United States, was quite a man. And, Gary, I think you would agree there could have been no America without him. That's true. That's true. But at least his mom didn't step in and tell him what to do. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Poor George Washington. Unlike George Washington. <laughs> Yeah, how much how much influence do you think his mom had during the Revolutionary War too? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I won't pick on George Washington anymore. He was our first president. Yeah, I hope he didn't cut down a cherry tree. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he did. <laughs> Who knows what kind of uh, grief he got about that one yeah. from his mom? At least he was honest about it. He probably knew what would happen if he lied. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed those incredible facts. And uh, once again. I'm Richard. I'm Gary, and uh, we look forward to having you join us again for more incredible stories and incredible facts.